0: Welcome to the Focus Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that it inspires you and gives you a fresh perspective. Enjoy the sermon. Today I would like to look at what it means to serve a God who sees. So, I've titled this message, A God Who Sees. We've talked about a God who speaks. We've talked about a God who listens. Now I want to look at a God who sees, if you're taking notes today. There's a popular phrase, they say, Uh, What you see is what you get. You ever heard that before? What you see is what you get. What you see is what you get. You've said that before. You've heard it before. The reality is it's rooted in in a desire for authenticity, but it's severely limited in its prophecy because it leaves no room for God to see something greater in you than you see in yourself. So what you see is not what you get. What God sees is what I want you to get. Oh, I came to preach. I ain't even read the Bible yet. I'm already ready to go. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in First Samuel 16. For I do not want to cap God's ability to do what he wants to do, despite me just saying what you see is what you get. I will not limit God's move on my life by saying it is what it is. It, it just What you see is what you get. Not at this church. What God sees is what we get. What God wants is what we get. What God wants. This isn't what you say you will get. That's called prosperity gospel. That's blab it and grab it. That's name it and proclaim it. That's give a seed offering of $10 and you will get a Corvette dropped into your driveway tomorrow. That's what you say what you will get. That's not what I'm preaching on today. What you see, what God sees is what we get. Whoo, that's better preaching than the, than the blab it and grab it stuff all day long. I'd much rather serve a God that sees me then God that gives me whatever I say because I might ask for the wrong thing at the wrong time thank God that what he sees is what we get Mm. may we be surrendered to him to such a degree that when he looks at us he sees exactly what he wants to see that our heart's posture today would be one that is uh, completely translucent clear so that there would be nothing in between us and God's vision for our life 1 Samuel 16:7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees, not as man sees. Hmm. Where does man look? Man looks on the outward appearance. <laughs> but God But the Lord looks on the heart. What is that saying to us today? I don't care what logo you have on your shirt or your shoes. I don't care if you were able to land those Nikes that were custom made. I don't care what logo is on the front of the hood of your car. I don't care how big your house is in in square footage. What God is looking at is he is looking inwardly at the hearts of those who serve him. And today I did not come with a sermon about how to look cooler on the outside. I didn't come with a fresh word about how to be cool on the outside with cowboy boots and a blue jean jacket. None of that matters to the throne room of God. What he is looking at is in your heart today. What he is looking at is with with eyes that see through all the things that the world wants you to do. I just got to be cool, pastor. I just got to be cool. That's not what God is looking at. God is not looking at the logos on your clothes. He is looking at the condition of your heart today. I'm so grateful we serve a God that looks. We serve a God that sees. We serve a God that has a vision for our hearts and our lives. We don't serve a God that looks down, but we instead we serve a God that looks at. Woo-hoo. That just came to me, but that's really I might preach that. A lot of you, you have subjected your value system in life to the things that everyone else can see. You have given credence and value to those that that judge you based on your appearance, based on your status, based on the things that you have accumulated and acquired. But that is not the God we serve. He could care less whether you drive a Tesla or or a Honda. It does not matter to him because he is not looking at the horsepower of your vehicle. He is not looking at the logos on your clothes. He is looking at the hearts of those that serve him. And he reminded Samuel of this as Samuel was trying to find the next king. And he says, do not look at the outward appearance of all of David's brothers, but there must be another one with a heart. There must be another one, a man after God's own heart. There must be another one playing his his instrument in the field, stepping in sheep stuff, going through a process. But it is him that I've chosen because I'm looking not at his brother's attire, But I'm looking at the heart of a shepherd boy named David. I want to preach to you today from the subject, the God who sees. The God who sees. Father, we give this word to you. Thank you for being a visionary God. A God with eyes to see what really matters. A God that values us and our vision. A God that understands that there is a lens that we look at life through. And if we could get a hold of your eyes, that we would see your purposes and your plans. We love you, and we are grateful in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. While the world is looking at you, God is looking for you. While the world is looking at you, God is looking for you. He desires relationship with you. And He is not basing his relationship off what you look like. For some of you, that's really good news, myself included. Thank you, God. I was looking at some old pictures of me before braces, before I got contact lenses. I met my wife. I had uh, frosted tips on the top of my head. Justin Timberlake was popular in that day, and I had blonde hair, bleach blonde hair, And I said, God, thank you for grace. Thank you that not only God looks at my heart, but my wife looked at my heart as well. Thank you, Jesus. We serve a God that looks at our heart. In a world that is caught up in the consumption of appearances, the young people call it clout. How many followers and likes, how many retweets, how many, how many shares, how many views did you get? In a world that is looking at external metrics to determine someone's success, we serve a God that looks way past clout, and he looks into the heart of man. And he sees your heart. He, he not only sees your heart, but he wants to make sure that he molds and makes your heart into the condition that it's meant to be. I, I serve a God that sees. He's not blind. And that's great news for us because we know that he doesn't just look at the outside, but he looks at the inside. And, and, And what is God looking for is really the question because once you know what God is looking for, then you know who to become. If I know what God is looking for, then I know who to become because I want to become a church that God is looking for. And he's even looking for sinners today. As a matter of fact, when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, it says that he came looking for them in the cool of the evening, and he asked them this question, Who told you? Who told you that you were naked? So he is here looking for you even in all of your shame, even in all of your sin, even in your dysfunction and your disgrace. God is a looking God. He's a seeking God, and he's searching for you, which is really good news, because we need a God that is intentionally seeking and searching it says this in john 4 23 but an hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth for such people meaning worshipers the father seeks meaning he's looking for he's searching for to be his worshipers. so who is god looking for worshipers Who's he looking for? Worshippers. He's not looking for spectators. He's not looking for, for nosebleed Christians. He's not looking for you to look down upon everything else that's going on in the church and say, that must be nice to attend. Oh, I, I only attend once a month, but every once in a while I'll lift my hands if they sing one of those old songs that I really like. He's looking for true worshipers. Regardless of volume level or or lyrics or musical style or air conditioning temperature in the room, he's looking for people who will go after him and seek him. As he seeks you, you seek him through worship. So when I come in and lift my hands, I'm not lifting my hands out of performance. It's out of persistence. I'm not lifting my hands because I feel good. I don't feel good right now. I had to eat a protein bar between services. I don't feel good. Not that kind of don't feel good. Don't start backing up like that. Can't tell nobody you're sick in 2021. Can't tell nobody. You better cough to yourself, sir, ma'am. If you sneeze during this service, all these microphones will catch it up. We know exactly where that sneeze came from. Sometimes I don't feel like worshiping, but I do it because that's what God is looking for. I don't care what you're looking at. I'm interested in what God is looking for. And what he is looking for are worshipers in spirit and in truth. People that say, I'm abandoning the world system of value and I am going to be looked at by God. And that's what matters more than the logo on my shirt. Don't get caught up in that. Because it's empty promises. The moment you have the phone that you think everybody's going to be impressed by, they're going to release another one. The moment you have your dream car, your dream truck, your Dodge Ram, the battery's going to die. And here I am with a 2004 Ford F-150, and it's going strong, baby. Let's go. It matters what God is looking for. He's not looking for a Dodge. He's looking for a Ford. Pastor Ed is what we call an urban cowboy. He picks up a bag of mulch once a month, and he, that's why he has his truck. I shouldn't tell them that time you got that truck stuck in the mud, should I? Okay, I'll leave that out. It wasn't you. It wasn't you. Don't put her under the bus. That's your wife now, okay? You let her drive that truck and get stuck in the mud. Where was I at? We live in a world that values exterior stuff more than it values spiritual stuff. And what we need as a church is to really increase our temperature as to what God is looking for. So when you come into this house to praise, I mean, you better come ready and expectant for God to move. That's what God is looking for. He's not looking for production and camera angles and lights and screens. All those things are fine, but that's limited. That's just engagement. That's not worship. Like this helps you engage, but it does not help you worship. Uh, It should not help you worship. Some of you are more distracted by the lyrics being a, a fraction of a second late that you can't sing the song instead of truly just worshiping. Just worship. Just close your eyes and sing praises to God. It doesn't have to be written for you. It needs to be written on your heart. Sing unto God a new song. It's important that we come ready to worship because that's what he's looking for. And, and you know we live in a world that's not really interested in worship, right? They're only interested in idol worship. Like they're not worshiping the true God. They are not, they are not God worshipers. I mean, now more than ever, we have replaced uh, worship with just music. Most churches just have music now. What's the difference between music and worship? Well, one has the anointing and one doesn't. Well, oh, the music was good, but was the worship good? Because I'll take mediocre worship over great music all day long. Well, oh, that's way better preaching than you shouting. The good thing about this church is that we got great both. We got great music, which leads us into great worship. It's anointed both in how it sounds and in our pursuit of the anointing of, the God, of, of, of Jesus, of the Holy Spirit. But the world has got it so messed up. And even they had it messed up in Ezekiel 12 too. It says, son of man, I think this is for us today as well. You live among rebels who have eyes but refuse to see. They have ears but refuse to hear. For they are a rebellious people. That's the day we're living in right now, where people have eyes, but they don't have a vision. They, 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 they look at things, but they can't see anything. This world is messed up. It's really messed up. I don't mean to be a doom and gloom preacher today, but you better fix your eyes upon Jesus. Because their eyes are not fixed upon Jesus. And when you fix your eyes upon Jesus, he, he's looking for true worshipers. Having eyes is not the same as having vision. Having eyes is not the same as having vision. You know that, right? A lot of churches have eyes. Very few churches have vision. But God has given us a vision, a vision to reach the city, a vision to reach our community. People ask, well, Pastor, why are you going on WRAL Channel 5? Well, because I got a vision to reach the city. I got a vision. I don't just see. I I love you, but I don't just see you. I see the vision to reach the city. So, and it includes you, and that's where we're going. And so our church needs to have a vision. If, if we didn't have a vision, guess what happens? People perish. Why I was without a vision, people perish. So I don't just want eyes. I want a vision. And I'm glad you're here today because it means that you have a vision as well. So as believers with a vision, we need to see things differently. We need to see things differently than the world sees them. We need to see things like God sees them. And when we see things like God sees it, then our life will reflect one of his son, Jesus. So what lenses should we use to look at our lives? What lens should we use? I'm so glad that you asked because I have a couple of lenses that I think we should use. Try these on for size. Let's see if the prescription fits. I believe it will. The first lens is the lens of the Bible. Like our moral foundation as a community here is founded on God's word. It's not some idea or my opinion. It's not some motivational talk that we are giving up here. This is not some inspirational moment where you just hear a man in his own opinions. But instead, our morality, our decisions, our life are reflected of the principles found in God's word. This is the lens upon which we see things. This is the lens upon which we see the Lord. It's amazing to me how you'll find a lens in everything else, but you won't find a lens in God's word. And biblical literacy is at an all-time low. And self-help and self-motivation and finding your own truth and there is no absolutes is at an all-time high. There are absolutes, and they're found in God's word. It's not whatever you want, believe whatever you want, become whoever you want. It's, if it's not in God's word, then it's not truth. Oh, it's important that we begin to look look at our life through the lens of the Bible. I know it's old school because now everyone's on this pursuit of their own truth, not me. My own truth will have so many flaws in it. My own truth will be deception. My own truth will be my demise. My own truth will not lead my family in the way that it should go. My own truth will lead me to selfish pride, anger, and deceit. But when I find morality and the framework of my life through the lens of the Bible, then I have something to stand on. The issue with the world is they don't have anything to stand on. So when you ask them what they believe, they say, whatever you want to believe. And it's an empty, it's, it's, it's like trying to hold a gallon of water without a container. There's no moral floor in today's society. And so everything goes. And they've lost morality because they have no framework upon which to stand on their beliefs. So when it comes to you can be whoever you want to be and decide to do whatever you want to do, it's because they have no framework for morality in their life. It lacks truth. They can't see through themselves through the lens of the Bible. Well, that's just old school. No, 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 no. This book has been around for a long, long time, but it's still equally powerful. The flowers fade, the grass withers, but the word of the Lord remains the same. I, I pray that you have a, a better diet than just the times that I read you verses. That's what I do to my newborn children is read them the Bible. But now my kids are old enough to read the Bible themselves. I trust that you're growing in the ways of the Lord. And if you're not, I trust that you'll find something that will help you find a moral floor in the bottomless pit of this culture's morality. Because they're not going to go back to God's word. You understand that, right? The world is not headed in the direction of God. Bring back God, God back in America. No, that's our job to bring God back into our own hearts. And when he does that, maybe he'll do it nationwide. But I'm not waiting for America to get God back. I'm in America. I got I to gotta get back God back first. If I don't get God, if I don't get the Bible, I can't expect the whole country to get the Bible. Bring back prayer in schools. Why don't you just bring back prayer in your house? God, they took it out of schools. They, you took it out of your own house. They haven't heard you pray in years. You mad at the educational system. Man, protect your house. Through the lens of God's word. It's not in my notes. I got to hurry because this thing just told me it has 10% battery left. So you better. It's reminding me. The lens of the Bible it says in Psalm 119. Verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things of your law. Meaning. Meaning. I want the wondrous things inside the, the whole book, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The second one is this, is the lens of prophecy. You, you, there are some things in your life that maybe weren't written specifically in God's Word, but someone that is of God can speak them into your life. That's a prophetic word, a prophetic picture. God, through His Spirit, will use someone or, or, or a, a moment in prayer where God will speak prophetically. I believe in the gift of prophecy. I believe fully that someone could receive a word for your life and speak it into you as long as it edifies the body and it lines with, up uh, with the Bible. As long as it edifies the body and, body and lines up with the Bible. You can't prophesy something that doesn't line up with the Bible because that's not prophecy. As a matter of fact, the Bible talks about that in 1 John 4.1. It says, Beloved, meaning I love you, but don't believe every spirit because there's spiritual things and then there's holy things. Uh, the world is full of spiritual things. You can go do spiritual yoga. but that's not holy. You can go on a spiritual retreat, but if Jesus is not at the center of that retreat, that's just something spiritual, not holy. It says, but test test the spirits and see, see with your eyes, a God that sees whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now more than ever, many false prophets, have gone out into the world. Do not make an idol of anyone that is contradictory the word of God and is not edifying the body of Christ. The third lens is this, is the lens of wisdom. All the youngins lack this so much. I too can sometimes be rebellious. The lens of wisdom. There are people that have lived longer than you. You know that, right? And they've gone through things that you won't have to go through if you just ask them. Hey, can you help me set up a retirement account? You look wise. That looks like that golf shirt costs a lot of money. You probably have some retirement saved up. Can you help me set up my retirement account? The problem is is that young people only talk to themselves, and so they put all their money into Dogecoin, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, which is whatever. I'm not giving you financial advice here, but I'm just saying you better ask God for wisdom when it comes to how to handle your wealth. A lot of you are so rebellious, you won't go to Waffle House with someone twice your age. You should. Three times your age. If they don't like Waffle House, they'll love Cracker Barrel. It's one or the other. (laughs) If not those two, it's like Perkins or Bob Evans or something. It's somewhere along those lines. Don't invite them to some new, hip, cool place, downtown Raleigh, that only serves vegan hamburgers. Don't do that. (laughs) Take them to a good old American restaurant like Waffle House. Never closes. Always on time. He's an on-time God. Some of you lack wisdom, and you need to ask. Like, I submit to elders that of, in this church. I submit to spiritual authority because they have wisdom that I don't have. As a matter of fact, I, sent a, I send a lot of links to the elders just to get their perspective. Like, hey, what do you think about this? And uh, one of them, I sent them a link this morning, and he said, get off the Internet. <laughs> he said, get off the Internet. I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. He said, This better be the best sermon you've ever preached, because you ain't got no business being on the internet right now, reading that news article at six o'clock in the morning on a Sunday before you got to preach the word. Why? Well, they got wisdom. They got wisdom. And I submit to that wisdom. You should also submit to wisdom. And, and and here's the deal: the pastor shouldn't be the only one under covering at a church. So many people come and ask me, Well, what's your covering? Who who, who do you submit to? Well, who do you submit to? I got elders. I can name all of them. We meet every month. Most of them call me once a week. Who do you got in your life that's telling you what's right and what's wrong? How come the pastor has to be the only one submitted to spiritual authority, and then when the pastor asks for you to be submitted to spiritual authority, you get offended and go right down the road? I'm not even asking for me to be the only spiritual authority in your life. I'm asking for, for you to find someone in your life that you could submit to. A life without submission is a life without wisdom. You want wisdom? Ask for it. The book of James 1, 5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. You better start asking God for wisdom. You know, the best question to ask before you make any decision is, is this the wise thing to do? In the McDonald's drive-thru. Is this the wise thing for me to do? Before you buy that house. Is this the wise thing to do? Before you get that car loan that's going to keep you strapped and and under the debt load for 15 years, is this the wise thing to do? When you ask, is this the wise thing to do, everything starts to change. When you start dating someone, ask ask the Lord, is this the wise thing for me to do? Young people, is this the wise person for me? Is this the wise thing? I've met some of y'all's boyfriends. It doesn't even take a prayer. I'm convinced off the gate. Like, no. That's not wise. I'm not even much older than you. And I could tell you, I'm only 33 years old. In case you're wondering, this is my Jesus year. Okay? Jesus died at 33. I'm 33. 1987 represent. Okay? Now, some of you are scared now. You're like, no, I can't submit to a pastor that's only 33 years old. You don't submit to anyone. It didn't matter if I was 93 years old. Make sure. Make sure that you you're submitting yourself to correction and, and, and wisdom, which leads you to, to the next one is the lens of correction. Oh, they don't like this one. They will not be saying amen, so you can turn these audience mics off because you ain't going to hear no amens during this one. There is a lens of correction. We, we've lost it because we stopped spanking our kids, and therefore it led into the church, so we lack correction in our Christian life. So we'll be, we'll be deviating from God's will on our life, and someone will try to come in and correct us, and we'll be so easily offended that we'll just go to another church. We'll just go somewhere else. Well, I didn't like the way he, he taught. I didn't like the way that they did that. Or they called me out on my sin, and they didn't like that. Well, here's what it says in Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. I better read this fast before this iPad dies. And, and, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? Whew, this is such good preaching just the Bible. My son, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. I care about you enough to confront you. I care so much about you that I'll confront you on your distance from an almighty God and your lifestyle that doesn't line up with the will of God and the word of God. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for the discipline that you have to endure. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to endure discipline. Who wants to endure discipline? No one. Who wants to grow as a mature believer? Everyone. You can't have one without the other. Correction is part of the Christian walk. Correction is part of it. If you are left without, this is still the Bible, just so you know, I'm not reading from, this is the word. If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. That's harsh, Pastor. I'm just I'm just reading. I'm trying to be full diet. The loving God and the corrective one. His grace and his truth. And if you want to be a son of God, you must be willing to be disciplined by God. And you, you get offended. So I step on your toes one second. I say one thing that doesn't sit right in your heart because it's correcting you. And you leave and you go down the road. And it's, it's, it's an epidemic. The, the, it's, it's a virus in the church of America. The easily offended Christian that does not want to be corrected. And it's, it's got to stop. And it's going to stop here because we're going to submit to godly correction here at this church. Besides this, we have earthly fathers who disciplined us. Some of you all m- more than others. You're like, yeah, I remember that. Triggered me. We had earthly fathers who disciplined us. And we respected them. Shall we, not much, shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? You want to live? Ask God what needs correcting in my life. Ask someone in your circle. Ask your spouse. What does God need to correct in my life? And as she pulls out the scroll... And as she pulls out a four terabyte hard drive of Google Docs of all the things you need to be corrected on. Take that as a word from the Lord. Most of the time, my wife is in tune with the spirit. What things do I need to be corrected of? If we learn to submit to God's correction as a church, there's no stopping us because we will always be moldable. We'll always be humble. We'll always be uh, transformed. We can be cor- If I can be corrected, then I can grow. If I'm, never, if I'm never corrected, if I'm never spanked as a child, if I'm never disciplined, if I'm never, if I'm never corrected, then I'll always be a child thinking that I can just have it my way. You've met those people. Don't elbow them right now, but you've met those people. They were never corrected as a child, so they're still a child. And some of you have never been corrected on your Christian walk, and you're still a child. I've been walking with the Lord for 40 years. Well, when's the last time you submitted to some spiritual correction? It's important. It's important because it grows us and matures us. Correction is part of the Christian walk. This is, it's, it's not that we just correct, but it's that correction is a part of our Christian walk. Right? I'm not here to tell you, you know, how you should you know, walk every step of your life. But I am saying if there is something in your life that is deviating from God's will, allow the, the presence of God and the correction of God to come through to your spirit. Because you will be mature. And I want to make mature believers in this church. I don't want a bunch of baby Christians getting to heaven. Wah, wah. My pastor never taught me. Wah. No, 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 no. And I need it too. I'm submitted to elders. Sometimes my pride will surface and I'll be like, I don't want to go to Bob Evans and hear about correction. I don't want to go to Waffle House. But it's needed. It's needed. And there are people in this church that have walked longer and, and, and more difficult journeys than you, and they could save you from some trouble. So ask them for wisdom. Ask them for wisdom and correction. The last one is the lens of love. It's important. We know God is love. We know that there's grace. We know that he's full of grace. It says in Matthew 9, 36, Jesus feels this. He says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I don't want you to be confused nor helpless. I don't want you to be sheep without a shepherd. And that's why I come to bring God's love to you. Jesus has compassion on them because they were confused. They were like sheep without a shepherd. But he sees their need for a shepherd and sends Jesus. You don't have to stay that way because God sees you. As a matter of fact, he not only sees you, but he has a vision for you, which is great. God not only sees your need for a savior, but he also gives you a vision for your future. So I can rely on God to show me, not just save me, but to show me which is what I love. And many of you have been saved, but you don't have a vision for your life. So you walk you walk the Christ-centered life, but you don't have any plans or hopes for a better future. You've been stuck with how God sees you instead of asking how he envisions you. He's got a vision for your life, and he's put something inside of you that maybe you don't even know yet, but I, I know this. I know that he has a plan and a purpose for every single person in this room and he doesn't see time like you see time. He, you know, I, I, ultrasound pictures are funny. This is not a baby announcement, just for so anybody knows. we That train long past in our family. We, we've we been married for uh, almost coming up on 15 years and we don't plan on having any more baby announcements. So just so you know, clarifying, the internet is a weird place. Congratulations, Pastor Mike and Ashton. No, thank you. I have been fruitful and multiplied times three. I've done my part. You do your part. I've already done my part, okay? I just want to clarify before I get into this closing illustration. Is that him saying that they're pregnant? No. It would have to be Jesus himself. The Holy Ghost. It would have, we'd have a Mary and Joseph moment. We're like, yeah, right. It's interesting because, you know, these black and white photos of ultrasounds they don't really encompass a lot of personality you just find out that there's something in there you just find out I'm with child you don't really see uh, their personality or what they're I mean they're getting better and better at having like these 3D ones but even those are like "Eh, I don't know if your kid's gonna look like that or if you want your kid to look like that you know but there's something inside of you there's something on the inside That the ultrasound technician can see and because the ultrasound technician is so good at doing ultrasounds they'll put a little heart rate monitor around the womb and you can hear the baby's heartbeat I don't know if you've ever gone through this before but it's like that's what it sounds like and then whenever we would go get an ultrasound years ago ten years ago a decade ago not anymore They would know things about our child before we did. They would know what the gender was before we did. And then they would ask, would you like to know if it's a boy or a girl? And some of you are like, no, we want to make it a surprise, paint everything yellow. No, we want to know. I got stuff to buy. Am I going to buy a football or am I going to buy a Barbie castle? I need to know. The ultrasound technician knows and can reveal what's inside of someone else because they are trained and specialized in finding things that the naked eye can't see, that the common person cannot see. And God's vision for you is for him to see things that you can't see, but they're inside of you. So he has put something inside of you that you cannot see. But he knows the future better than you can recall the past. He is the ultimate ultrasound technician. And do you hear that? That's the heartbeat for your vision that God has for your life. That's, That's him telling you that you are with something inside of you that you cannot deny. I feel it. I feel it in my spirit. Some of you have lost sight that God has placed something inside of you that will not only grow, but it will be birthed. And when it is birthed, it will transform the world that we live in. So do not lose heart, because I came as the ultrasound technician on behalf of God today to let you know that God has something inside of you that no man can stop, that no situation can stop, that the devil himself has tried to quit. But I want to let you know that you are impregnated with a vision from God today. And let Let it be so that the world might be changed. Some of you have grown weary and tired and you've kind of aborted the vision that God has given you. And I want to let you know today, we are in the resurrection business of those dreams you think are dead. We are in the resurrection business. We are pro-life when it comes to every single dream that God has put inside of you. I hear a heartbeat of a generation that is hungry to truly worship God because when we worship he will seek us when we worship he will look towards us and if this iPad hasn't hasn't died yet it says in Romans 11, 7, 8 so this is the situation most people of Israel have not found the favor of God they are looking for so earnestly that's not you today that's others a few have, that's you, a chosen people, the one that God has chosen. But the hearts of the rest were hardened. See, it's going to be harder and harder to be a Christian. Because to be a chosen one, you'll be fewer and fewer, fewer and fewer, fewer. And f- it's going to be harder and harder to see God's vision and to be, see it fulfilled in your life. Because everyone around you will be earnestly looking, but they will not have found favor of God. I don't want this for you. As the scriptures say, God has put them into a deep sleep. To this day, he has shut their eyes so they do not see. And he has closed their ears so they do not hear. But not at this church. May our eyes be open to the vision that God has for us. We might not be able to see it all the way through, but if we can get a prophetic glimpse of his glory, we'll give him glory right back. God, I pray that you would show a picture of your preferred future to every single person that has tried to abort the dream and the vision that you have for them. I pray that they would see things as you see things right now in Jesus' name. That every single person who feels Feels like they can't dream again who feels like they're too old or they're too stuck and they can't do what god has called them to do i pray for you to open the eyes of the blind in jesus name with every head bowed and every eye closed say pastor mike this message was for me i'm a believer but i needed my eyes to be reopened to the fact that god sees me and i need to see him again and I have a miracle need in my life. And I, I, just, I just want to acknowledge that that word was for me. Would you just raise your hand if you say that word was for me? You're a Christian, but you say that word was for me today. That word was for me. That word was for me. Praise God. In just a moment, I'm going to ask if you, if, if, if you want to be saved. But for right now, I just want you to know as a fellow believer, I'm here for you. I'm in your corner. I want you to see how God sees I want you to be reignited with that passion for the things of God that you once had. I'm fighting on your behalf. I'm waging war in the spirit on your behalf today. You are not going to have to birth these dreams by yourself. You are not going to have to be the person that God has called you to be alone. I'm here. We're here. This church is here. This is a delivery room for the things of God in your life. And I hear heartbeats. I hear heartbeats. I hear heartbeats today. I hear heartbeats in the house. Maybe you came in here today and you are far from God. You've never seen him. You you need to be saved today. You know it. You don't have any framework, no moral structure. There's no Christ-centered life to even live and I want you to know today that God sent His Son Jesus to die on a cross so that you can have full access. The veil has been torn. You have full access to the presence of God now as long as you receive Him as your Lord and Savior. Some of you are far from God today and you know it. I don't even have to call it out and I want to pray for you. This is a place where the lost are found and the blind will see. And if you're spiritually blind today, You've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you've th- you've thought you followed God for a long time, but you've never really made it official to submit to his kingship, to submit to his lordship. If that's you today, I just want you to shoot your hand up in the air. Just shoot it up in the air. You want me to pray for you. You need Jesus. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Thank you, ma'am, in the very back. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? Anyone else? This is your moment right here. You're spiritually blind, but you want your eyes to be able to be seen way in the back. Thank you, God, for your harvest. Anybody else? This church takes seriously the matters of eternity, and eternity is at stake right now. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I believe in you, sir. I'm with you. I'm with you. Someone is coming right now with a card. What does that card mean? It's simply a representation that you made this decision. And I'm going to encourage you to take that card to the silver tent that is outside on your way out today. You can't miss it. As long as you look for the patio, you'll see the silver tent. There's a team of people that want to pray for you. We want to put a brand new Bible in your hand so that you don't have to follow God by yourself. You have to make this decision for yourself. I can't be saved for you. But I'll also help you walk this decision out. It's called discipleship. So stop by the silver tent if you got one of those white cards today. We wanna put a gift in your hands and our team wanna pray for you. We're gonna celebrate those that just raised their hand, but before that, I'm gonna ask that everyone at the sign of my voice repeat after me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for my sins. I was blind, now I see. Thank you for covering me. I repent in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's clap our hands. Give God some praise for those that just made that decision. Hallelujah. Thanks again for joining us. And thank you to those who give generously to make this ministry possible. You can click the link in our description to give now or visit www.givetofocus.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, and while you're at it, Take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at MyFocusChurch. We'd love to hear how God is speaking to you.